Okay, I'd like to invite you to come back to your seat. We're going to get started this morning. <coughs> I want to welcome you to Providence Road. We are really, really glad that you're here this morning. Wow, talkative crowd. Got to go a little harder. Good morning. I love it. I really do. I love it. We're going to get started. Still nothing back there? Okay. Maybe I need to go a little louder. There we go. Um, my name is Jeremy. I am one of the pastors at the church. I am, I'm really glad that you're here this morning, especially if you're a guest with us. Welcome. We're really glad to have you, and we're honored that you would spend a Sunday morning worshiping with us. Um, Vicky, thank, Vicky, thank you for the announcements. Um, Jay, I think we should have Vicky do announcements for men's a men's event every week, no matter if we have one or not. I, I love it. I love it. It's so great. Uh, Vicki, you're awesome um, for trying to uh, for do that for us. Um, here's the deal. We've been in a, uh, a four-week series um, talking about who we are as a church, and now we're going to jump back into the series we spent the majority of the summer in, which is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And so we're at the end of chapter 6, so we're jumping right back into where we were at um, so we'll be in Matthew 6 and start in verse 25, and we'll go through the end of the chapter. Uh, if you um, need a Bible to, to read while we're going through this, there are uh, some scattered throughout the room. I believe under every other chair there should be one. If you don't have one at home, please take that home. It's our gift to you. Um, and, uh, but the, the verses will be on the screens if you want to follow along there. So Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither, neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we once again thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for your providence that you would address um, a topic like anxiety and worry and concern and fear and all these things that I think are common to... Um, all human beings to some degree. So thank you for addressing it in this sermon. I pray as we look at it, I pray that we would submit ourselves to your word and trust that these are your very words. You're communicating through your word to us by the power of the Spirit. So I pray we would come to the scriptures with that posture this morning, one of humility. And Father, we ask that we would be changed as a result of looking at this text this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Jesus is going to address anxiety in this particular passage, and I don't think, usually I get up here and 
start preaching and one of the things they teach us is to, in those first few minutes, you've got to convince people that you should listen. Like this is a passage worth listening to. And hopefully, knowing this is about anxiety and worry, I shouldn't have to, con- shouldn't have to do that this morning, right? Like all of us to some degree struggle with worry, anxiety, or fear. I know in this room right now, there are uh, financial decisions that are burdening you. There's anxieties about marriage, marriage problems. Maybe you're worried about your kids, behavior in school, or you have adult children that you're not agreeing with all of their decisions they're making. Maybe you're here and you're a college student and you don't know what major, to, to, what major to choose or what career or job to choose after you graduate. Maybe you have some major health concerns in your family or in your extended family. Maybe you're trying to figure out if that's the girl or guy you want to marry. Maybe there's anxiety of whether you will even get to be married one day. And some of you are in here and, and you're anxious and you don't know why you're anxious. You just are, which is making you more anxious because you can't figure out why you're so anxious all the time. And that's compounding. Like we're all here, right? Like we're, this is this, I've kind of brought us all into this place now. I think we can all agree that this affects us. This affects probably all of us to some degree. The National Institute of Mental Health uh, says anxiety is now the most common mental health disorder in the United States. It affects one-third of all adults and adolescents. In 2015, um, college students, listen to this, college students, 2015, college students were, were asked about anxiety, and 50% of them in 2015 said, I'm over, I have experienced overwhelming anxiety frequently. And then a year later, in 2016, college students said, 62% of them said, I experience overwhelming anxiety frequently. 12% jump in one year, 2016. And those younger than college, you know, the, the, the early teens and middle teen years, um, the rates are about the same as, the, as college students. This is not getting any better. And the interesting stat that kind of comes out of this is that teens and adults in more affluent areas are more likely to suffer from anxiety. We're not going to get into that today and why that is, but I think that's an interesting take, especially for those of us who um, live in a place like Norman. Before I jump into really what anxiety is, I want to say that anxiety and depression in the mental health world are often sisters, those two, um, those two conditions. And so oftentimes those two things go together. If you experience anxiety, you will experience some depression. Or if you're depressed, you'll experience some anxiety. So those two things go together. And so everything I'm going to say, or most everything I'm going to say today about anxiety can also uh, be applied to depression. But because Jesus focused on anxiety and worry, I'm going to focus more on that today and not as much on depression. So let's kind of define our terms here before we jump into the passage. What is anxiety? Okay, and oftentimes clinical psychologists differentiate and, and help us understand anxiety by talking about fear. Because fear is something I think we all understand. And it'll be, uh, the quote will be on the screen. It says, fear and anxiety are closely related. Both contain the idea of a danger or possibility of injury. They make us narcissistically preoccupied with ourselves. In general, fear, here's fear, fear is seen as a reaction to a specific observable danger. While anxiety is seen as a diffuse, a kind of unfocused, objectless, future-oriented fear. 
Thus, fear, fear is anxiety that is attached to a specific thing or circumstance. For instance, worries about dying are more likely to take the form of nagging anxiety than specific fear. Okay, when discussing anxiety, one of the things we have to do is not rush to the extremes when we're talking about this subject, right? On the one, on one extreme you'll have maybe more prevalent in the church is the idea, I don't think so much anymore, but uh, still I think it's prevalent, is that, um, hey, if you're anxious, just have a little bit more faith. Like memorize this scripture, go home, memorize it, and you'll be all better. There is some truth to that, um, but that's very, very incomplete. That's not nuanced enough for anxiety, and it's more complicated than that. But on the other extreme, you have more of the, hey, go go see a counselor immediately and get on meds. That's the other extreme, okay? I don't think that's a bad option. I'll get to that in a, bit, a little bit later, but that I think is on an other extreme. And there's a place in the middle that we need to kind of live when it comes to addressing anxiety. Um, for me, this has been a, a, a kind of a personal um, thing um, that I've, 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 as I've prepared this week and as I've dealt with, I've, I've struggled with anxiety and depression on and off for probably 15 years now. Comes in waves, different seasons of my life. I've experienced one or the other. I've been on meds in the past. Um, I um, have trouble sleeping. I have some chronic stomach issues. Um, I wake up probably once or twice a week in the middle of the night with a, a rapid heartbeat borderline panic, not really knowing why I'm awake right now and what am I so worried about. Okay, so I say that just to know I, I'm with you. Maybe not to the same degree as some of you, but I'm with you. I can empathize with someone who, who really struggles with this fairly consistency, this oscillation between anxiety and depression. And this is, I can tell you, a very complicated issue. But I can say confidently that I think anxiety always has spiritual roots. It always has spiritual roots. And so we must start with the spiritual and work towards those other things that may be helpful to address alongside what the Bible has to say about anxiety. So this is why I think today's passage is so important to really understand what the Bible has to say about anxiety. It's more specifically what Jesus has to say about anxiety. And he, he, he talks about this in the greatest sermon ever preached, and he's chosen to address it. So it must be important to Jesus if he's addressed it here in the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is going to address really one form of anxiety. There are some other forms, and I'll touch on those at the end, but Jesus, I think more specifically, is talking about one form. And so we're going to start with that and work towards some of the others. So let's look at verse 25. I'm just going to walk through this, stop every once in a while to, to talk about some things. It says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Okay? So Jesus says very straightforward. It's, it's a directive. Do not be anxious. Okay? He's going to say that again in verse 31 and verse 34 of this passage. So three times, Jesus is telling us, don't be anxious. Okay? And I think that's important for us to hear. But as he's saying this and we're hearing this, we need to see, I think Jesus um, has a tone of compassion and a fatherly-like love when he's talking about anxiety in this passage. Okay, you can almost read through the lines here and some of the things he says and the way he says things. And I think he's, he's, he's saying these things with a lot of compassion for those who are experiencing this. For one day he would experience anxiety to the point that he was sweating drops of blood, if you remember, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, so Jesus knows he's going to experience anxiety when he is talking to us. So he has compassion. But it's, it, anxiety is not good for us, right? Like, it's why he tells us don't be anxious. It's not good for us. 
It leads to mental, emotional, and physical problems. Okay, lots of physical problems. It can be, can be symptoms of that. It can hurt, it can hurt relationships. Because when you're anxious and you come into a relationship, your anxiety is going to get transferred through those other relationships. Okay? And so we want, as human beings, we want to be calm and, and, and uh, people of peace in our relationships. Hopefully we all want that. And so anxiety can destroy or definitely damage relationships. Like having consistent or chronic anxiety is not the life God wants for us. He wants us to have abundant life, and anxiety shouldn't be a part of that. He doesn't want that for us. He wants better for his children, especially as we live life in the kingdom, which is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about, right? Living life in, this, in the kingdom of God that has arrived in the person of Jesus, okay? So he doesn't want us to be anxious. So he'll tell us, do not be anxious, okay? But before he even says that, we have this word, therefore. And we've talked about it a lot, but when there's a therefore in the text, we always want to look back to what this therefore is referring to. And it's connecting this passage today with what the passage we talked about five or six weeks ago when we, when we uh, hit pause on this sermon series. And in that particular um, um, passage, Jesus is talking about not setting our treasure, not setting our eyes, not setting our minds on the things of earth, on the things of this world, because they'll, be passed, they'll, they'll, they'll pass away. They'll be destroyed. We'll eventually have to let go of the things of the earth, right? So he's saying, don't set your eyes and your mind and your heart on those things. Set your, your treasure and set your eyes and your mind on the things of heaven, things that will last for all eternity and that can't be taken away from us. And so he's saying that, and he also says in that passage that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, meaning that what we treasure, what we set our mind on, we will begin to worship. And we will begin to become like that thing we are worshiping. So Jesus says, treasure me, don't treasure the things of the world. And that last verse in the previous passage, verse 24, he says things like, you can't serve two masters. You can't. You can either serve me or you can serve the stuff of the world. Money, mammon, that verse says. You can't have faith in the things of the world and also have faith in me. You can't look to your ultimate freedom and joy in me and also be looking to freedom and joy in the things of the earth. Those things, they don't go together. So with all that in our minds, he says, therefore. So he's making a connection between our anxiety and worry and treasuring the things of earth. And we need to think about that and remember that as we walk through this passage, okay? So let's keep that in mind. So, and also remember, Jesus is talking to people who have faith, right? He's talking to God's people. He's talking to Christians Primarily, there's other people around listening to this sermon, but the audience that he's really directing this teaching at are followers of Jesus. So let's go back and uh, read through this a little bit more. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What about you? What you will put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. And so Jesus says, don't, be, don't worry about your life, like big umbrella, right? Like, don't, don't worry about it. And then he gives some specific examples, like food and clothing, what you will wear. He's, he's giving some everyday common examples of the things of life that we tend to worry about. He said, don't worry about those things. I'm going to take care of those things. And, he, and he's going to tell us why here in a second. And really, when he, when he starts to get into this here in a second, you'll see that he uses really two characteristics of God to show us that we don't need to be anxious. Two characteristics of God. And he uses um, two common illustrations, birds and flowers that we're going to see, to help us understand these characteristics of God. So here's where we really need to lean in. If Jesus is telling me, hey, don't be anxious, I, I, I would respond, what do you mean don't be anxious? 
Have, have you, of course he has, but have you been in our world? Have you seen our world? Like, there's a lot to be anxious about, right? Like, just watch the news, right? I mean, it, there's a lot to be anxious about. I've got children. I mean, I've got a kid now. Those of you with kids, like, that adds a whole nother layer of anxiety to your life. What's he going to turn out like? What's the world he's going to be living in in 20 years going to be like? All of those things. There's just so much to be anxious about. So if Jesus is saying, hey, don't be anxious, and here's why, I'm like, okay, like what, like what, what, do, you, what do you have for me here? I want to know. So let's lean in and listen to this. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. And that look there means glare intensely. It's like ponder. Don't just glance at them. Like, like look. Like ponder what this means. So look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So let's think about the birds for a minute, right? Think about the birds. Jesus says, look at these birds. And, and this, isn't a, this isn't permission for us to be lazy. It's not permission for us to be passive. Because if you've ever looked at a bird, they're busy, right? Like they're, they're doing stuff. They're flying around. They're always on the go, especially hummingbirds. Those things like, you know, flap their wings thousands of times right in a day like i mean these birds work hard but what jesus is saying is they are utterly dependent upon god for everything and and they know it like like they 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 feed off of worms how do worms have well god sends the rain the ground gets soft so the birds can get to the worms like so god provides everything for the birds same with the lilies of the field like think of the flowers like flowers are they, they come up for a season they're beautiful they're they're awesome great to look at, but they're gone in a couple of months, right? They pop up and then they're gone. Usually they wither and die or they're mowed over, right? And so God, in his, in his common grace, Jesus is saying, even birds and even flowers, God is taking the time to meet their needs. He's, he's making these little flowers beautiful with these different colors and with their uniqueness. And Jesus says, not even Solomon, who was the wealthiest man in the world, who had probably a killer wardrobe, never had the things that these flowers have. He wasn't as great to look at as these flowers, and yet, boom, they're, they're there and they're gone. So the first principle here is, is, is just the providence of God. God who made everything, who put the stars and the planets and, and set the earth on the right axis and has it spinning at the right, at the right speed so life can still, be, can still flourish here on earth. All of those things, the mountains, the rivers, the oceans, God who made all of those things is so intricately involved in the day-to-day things that happen on earth that he is taking care of birds and flowers as well as, the, as well as those other things. Like, just allow your mind to encompass all of God's providence and his sovereignty in this world. He knows what we're going through. He gets it. He knows what tomorrow brings. He knows what next week brings. God has all of that in his hands. I want to stop here and just address maybe those of you in this room who don't consider yourself Christians, okay? Um, wh- what do you do with your anxiety? Like, if you don't believe in God, and, and God is not your Father, and Jesus is not your Savior, I just want to ask you the question, what do you do with anxiety? 
Like, I, I, I really don't know what I would do without having God to, 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 to kind of fall back on and trust and believe in. Because there's anxiety everywhere, stimuli all day long that makes me anxious. And when I'm not going well, I'll find band-aids, I'll find things to kind of medicate that anxiety, whether it's TV or food or distractions or entertainment. Like, so what do you look to to help your anxiety? Because I know we all struggle with this. So if you don't have God as your father, I'm just, I, I want you to dig a little bit and ask, like, what do you turn to? What is there to give you an anchor in this world when this anxiety is just blowing all of us all over the place? What do you turn to? And I think we shouldn't be surprised as humans that we struggle with anxiety and depression. Like Genesis 3, sin comes into the world. The world is broken and messed up and filled with broken and messed up people like all of us in this room. So it shouldn't surprise us in some sense that we have anxiety in this broken and messed up world. Romans 8, Paul says there, he, he talks about the earth and the creation groaning. We often think of the mountains and the volcanoes and this, the weather that like just is powerful and is groaning. Well, I think our anxiety is part of that groaning. Like our anxiety is part of like, this isn't the way it's supposed to be. And we want more. We want Jesus to return and make this right. So the first thing that Jesus is trying to get our mind to think about and really believe is that God is providentially in control of everything. And if he has taken care of flowers and birds, he's going to take care of us. And the other thing I think we should focus on, and it's subtle here, but in verse 26, Jesus says, when he's talking about the birds, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father them. Now, he could have said God, right? Could have said their creator or any other titles given to God, but he chooses to use your heavenly father. And what he's trying, I think, to make our connection as children, those, those of us who have faith in Jesus, to say, like, your heavenly father is taking care of these insignificant things that he doesn't call children. He doesn't call birds his children. His flowers aren't his children. Yeah, so it's like me, if, if Jax is nervous, my son is worried about me taking care of him in some area. It's like me, one of the, I, I never thought of this before this week, but it's like, hey, buddy, like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to do everything I can to take care of you. You know why? I, I get out there and mow the grass. You think I like mowing the grass, buddy? No, but I get out there and mow the grass because I feel like that's part of I just need to take care of it. You think I like taking care of the cars and putting gas in them? No, not really. But those are the little things in life that I need to take care of. So if I'm taking care of stuff I don't, like, I, I don't really like, buddy, comparison to you, for sure I'm going to take care of you. So as, as children of God, we need to understand our value in the eyes of God. He cares about us. He loves us. Loves us. So I think the question for us is, do you think you have value in God's eyes? Like, do we really think that we're more valuable to God than birds and flowers? Do you believe that God the Father is going to provide for your needs? Do you believe that God the Father is going to make a way for you? Do we believe that God the Father is going to stay close to us and be near to us when we are going through the, 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 the pits of anxiety and stress and worry? Do we believe that? 
Jesus is saying we have to. We have to believe that. Now, I understand if you're in this acute grasp of anxiety right now, I understand that may not be enough. Like you hear that and you're like, yeah, but I just don't feel it. Yeah, but my life feels out of control. I just don't know how to, how to get this back. There's, there's, there's one thing that's even better. And this is Paul in Romans 8. This is one of the best passages in all of Scripture. And this is basically Paul. This passage addresses anxiety perfectly. So I'm going to read this. And Paul, as he's writing this, he's, most people think he's preaching here. He's just writing down a sermon. He, you can just tell in these words he's getting worked up. So I'm going to read this as Paul, what I, what, what I believe, would, how he would preach this. Romans 8. We're going to read 28 and then skip a few verses and then start back in 31. Romans 8. Now, if you don't believe that God loves you and you're a follower of Jesus and doesn't value you, listen to this. Romans 8. And we know that for those who love God, followers of Jesus, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Okay? It's kind of the big thesis statement. And in 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not graciously give us all things? Why wouldn't he? Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. No one can bring a charge against us. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, so that we don't have to be condemned. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who right now is interceding for us? Verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or anxiety? I add in there, 36, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all of these things, all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither life Death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of Christ, love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Like, amen, Paul. Like, thank you. Like, thank you for unpacking that. Like, we need to hear this. If you're struggling with anxiety, or even if, even if, I said we all struggle with anxiety, so we should all be reading this passage frequently. But if you are really acutely struggling right now with anxiety and fear and worry, please read this passage. And as you read it, beg the Holy Spirit to open your eyes to his grace and his mercy and the promises found in this text. They're powerful. These are promises. And there are four people exactly like myself and many of you who struggle consistently with anxiety. Let's keep reading it. Back to Matthew 6, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Verse 33. This is the big verse. We've probably all heard of this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Okay, so this is, other than do not be anxious, right? This is a clear command Jesus is giving us. Seek the kingdom of God. You want a, kind of a remedy for anxiety and worry? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, he's not saying, hey, come to Jesus and you'll get health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, as you live life in the kingdom, as you be, know and understand the love and the heart of the Father, what you want 
what you think you need will line up with what God thinks you need, and you'll have all the things that God thinks you'll need, which is great, right? Because God is infinitely more wiser and knows more of what we need than we do. So this is really, really good news. So we should, that's the, that's the action step, is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness first, above everything else. So if you've never just like, if you're struggling with this and you've never just gone to God and said, hey, I need you, God, take this from me. Help me with my anxiety. Then that, that should be your first step, right? This is a very straightforward command here that Jesus gives us. And then there's verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Uh, this is just, like, after everything we've read, this is just good wisdom, right? Like, like it, you think about anxiety, it doesn't do us any good. It's future-oriented, and we worry about things, hoping that our, I don't think we really think this will happen, but in the moment, like, our, our worry is going to change how the future is going to turn out. Like, it, it just doesn't work that way, and I think that's what Jesus is saying. And oftentimes what happens when we're worrying about something in the future, we are thinking about it as worst-case scenario, right? Like, Things, most times, if you think back, when you've been really, really anxious about something, they don't turn out the way you think they're going to turn out. They're, they're nev- most times, they're not as bad as you actually made them up to be in the present moment, thinking about them in the future. I think this is what Jesus is getting at here, right? He's saying, worry about today, right? Like, the, the fears of today, we have a grasp on them, we kind of know because they're immediate, but our limited, finite human mind, Jesus is saying, don't, don't you guys try to go to tomorrow? Are you kidding me? Or next week with your anxiety? Like, do you really think that, like, doing that's going to change anything? He's saying, no. Worry about today. There are things today that maybe are really worth being anxious about that you need to deal with. So don't, don't worry about tomorrow. One author said, worry is a down payment on a problem you may never have. Think about that. Worry is like putting a down payment on a problem, like investing all this money up front and then the problem not, not being that big of a deal or things like didn't turn out as bad as you thought. So the answer is don't, don't worry. Don't worry. He's going logical here. He's telling, telling us anxiety doesn't do us any good. Now, Jesus from this context is addressing one kind of anxiety, right? He's addressing the kind of anxiety that comes from putting our trust and hope, um, I think, on the things of the earth rather on the things um, of God, of eternity, of Jesus, okay? So examples of this kind of anxiety maybe chronically worrying about what other people think of you. Just obsessed with this. Instead of thinking about what God thinks of you, which is really awesome if you're, if you're a Christian, like, instead of thinking about what other people might think of you, not even what they think of you, what they might think of you. Some of you are paralyzed with that. Um, some of you, if you, if, you got a, if you got a call from or a text from your boss saying, hey, I want to meet next week, but that's all he gave you, you would be panicked and anxiety-ridden because you think you're going worst-case scenario. I'm getting fired. I'm getting fired because he wants to meet. He just wa- he or she just wants to meet with you. That's it, right? Like, but you're thinking you're going to get fired. Um, some of you maybe uh, if one thing in your daily schedule gets out of whack or one thing on your task list doesn't get done, your life is going to fall apart. Again, birds and flowers. I think God has got you. God's got it. He's your father. He's got it. He's going to take care of you, okay? Or maybe you're having difficult making everyday decisions. Just this, the daily decision-making process makes you anxious. Now, I don't think any of these things would be cl- considered clinically, um, like diagnosed, cl- having clinically anxi- anxiety disorder, but 
I think any of those things left unchecked can turn into something much more serious and I think harder to get out of. So I think we need to be aware of the things that we struggle with and be as specific as possible. We don't like the feeling, so we tend to want to medicate it and get away from it as quick as we can, but we need to sit at it a little bit and understand why are we feeling this way? Why are we anxious? What about this other person? What makes me so terrified of what they think of me? Okay? Jesus tells us this kind of anxiety comes from really doubting God's goodness and his provision. And Jesus is, is asking us to repent by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. That's like the, the, the way we repent after we read this passage. Okay, now there are other types of anxiety. Really quick, I want to briefly mention um, that I don't think Jesus is, is specifically has in mind here. Okay, there's some anxieties that come with real threats. Like we are fit, physiologically, bio, bio, biologically hardwired um, to have anxiety. It's the fight or flight thing. Like if your house is on fire, like you are designed, your adrenaline surges, you, your, your blood rushes to your extremities, you have heightened focus, you have more strength in that moment than you normally would have. God has hardwired that into our biology to be able to escape the fire. Like that's, that's a good form of anxiety. But our problem is, is we, we tend to operate at that level like there's a fire in our house all the time. And our bodies were never meant to withstand that kind of pressure and surging of our adrenaline all day long. And we're going to be broken and busted up and we're going to we're just going to, we're going to wear out. We're going to burn out if we do that. So there's a good kind of anxiety. Maybe it's for you, it's a major health issue, major health scare. Initially, there's some good anxiety, I think, that comes with that. Um, loss of a loved one, loss of a job. There's some real things that produce anxiety. And as long as those things get checked and dealt with, I don't think those things can, can be a, a, a horrible thing. Okay? There's another kind of anxiety that I don't think Jesus necessarily addresses here, and it's more of the chemical imbalance thing. It's where medical attention may be, may be needed. This kind of anxiety is harder to, harder to explain. It doesn't make sense. It's harder to point to a real threat. Like, like what's the real threat? It's harder, so it's harder to actually deal with because you don't even know where to start when you're dealing with it. And this is, this is part of my story, right? Um, if you're struggling with this kind of anxiety, you might need to get counseling and you may need to get on medication. Like, I, I am, this is a church, we are, we are okay with counseling and medication here for some of these things, okay? Like, if you are, are just, like, like, controlled by anxiety, please go see a counselor. Like, I've had on and off counseling for the last 12 years for some of this stuff, right? Like, uh, your pastor has gotten counseling, right? So hopefully that gives you permission to go get it if you need it. And there's no sense of shame to go talk to somebody who asks good questions and really has studied up on this stuff to help you untie some of these things, okay? You may need medicine. And with medicine, though, even, even um, the, the doctors who prescribe this medicine will say the medicine's never a cure. Like even the medical professionals, me medicine um, holds off the symptoms to allow the person to get to a point where they can actually stick, get on their feet talk through it with some people, and get their footing so they can actually deal with it. The medicine's never meant to be like a long-term thing. It's to help people get back on their feet where they can actually deal with it. Okay, so off, some of us, you may be anxious in this room right now, but you don't know it because you can't tie a specific thing to why you're, why you're anxious. But I would say pay attention to your physical symptoms because this is usually how the body starts alerting us that something's wrong. 
This may include insomnia, chronic stomach issues, rapid heartbeat, headaches, sweating, dizziness, the inability to like do normal daily things that you can always do. Like some of that is, there's, those are warning lights. You need to talk to somebody and not be ashamed about it, okay? Do not be ashamed about this, okay? So I want to give three practical steps to kind of close this up here. Because this, again, this is a difficult issue. It's complex, but I want to try to help as much as possible, okay? We'll go through this. They'll be on the screen. Um, three practical things. First, I think the first thing we need to do is do some deep work on yourself, okay? Go, be willing to do the deep work. Like, go there. Pay attention to what's going on inside of you. Why is your stomach in knots? Why can't you function normally? Why can't you sleep at night? Like, don't be afraid to go there for a little while. Ask why. Why, why are you feeling like this? Why do I feel like this? Why does she or he make me feel like this? Why, why does my approval of them needing their approval, why does it matter so much? What do we fear most and why? Okay, what do we fear most and why? Um, so do some deep work on yourself. Don't, don't medicate. Don't entertain yourself just to get away from it because none of us like this. None of us want to be anxious, so we want to get rid of it as soon as we can. But, but deal with it. Okay, deal with it. Next, close second to this, and I think this is more important, but I think second in order is move towards God in your anxiety. Listen to this pa passage, one of my favorite passages. I wish we could dig into this more. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Um, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. A few things here, okay? First, he's, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, by the way. Like, he's anxious, right? Probably in prison. He's saying, rejoice. In the midst of your anxiety, rejoice. If you have trouble rejoicing in the midst of your anxiety, it is difficult. I realize it. Go to, Roman, go to Romans 8. That passage should cause you to rejoice, at least in the gospel. And then that can slowly, over time, help you maybe unwind a little bit. The other thing to look at in this passage is, is in verse 5, he says, The Lord is at hand. Again, this is post-resurrection, the Holy Spirit. He's talking to Christians. We have the Holy Spirit. God is alive. He lives inside of us, okay? He is at hand. The Spirit is inside of us, wanting to move us, wanting to help us, wanting to counsel us. Like, Cause, wanting us to draw near to God with our, with our junk. Okay, so based off that, then he goes into verse 6. This is, this is the phrase we tend to think about when it comes to anxiety, this, this, these verses. Do not be anxious about anything. He's echoing Jesus here. But here are the practical steps. But by everything, by prayer and supplication and with thank, thanksgiving, make your request known to God. Come talk to God, to translate that, to make it more simple. Just come talk to him. Come be in relationship with him. Come let him be your father that he wants to be. Okay? Let him do those things. And, and, and I think Thanksgiving here is important. I wish we could talk more about it, but Thanksgiving is a great weapon against anxiety because Thanksgiving is a past-focused thing. Like you're thankful for what God has done in the past. So if you're worried about the future, and remember, anxiety is future. If you're worried about the future, go to the past. Think about how God's been faithful. Think about what you have to be thankful of to get you to this moment, and that can release some pressure to allow you to face, okay, I, can, I got this. I can believe what God has for me in the future. It's going to be okay because of what he's done in the past. But here's the deal. Things may not get better initially when we come to God. They may not, okay? But 
you're going to have a really great prayer life if you, when you're anxious, you pray. Turn your anxious thoughts into prayers. Some of my best, most consistent seasons of prayer is when I'm in the midst of anxiety. Now, I don't always feel amazing in those moments, but I try to pray because this is what the scripture is telling me to do. Trusting that if I pray, if I keep coming to God, he's going to meet. And listen to verse 7. And the peace of God, this is what God offers us, will surpass all understanding. Which surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think this is interesting because he says, surpasses all understanding. Like, anxiety is, you don't understand it, but the remedy, you also don't understand. Okay? Like, you don't understand what God's doing inside of you when you come to him and he's giving you peace. So don't try to figure this out. Don't try to make it a formula where you come to God and now all things are going to be better. Like, trust that there's a peace that surpasses your understanding that's working in you when you come to God in your anxiety. And that has to be a consistent thing if you're struggling with this. Okay? So, come to God. Come to God. And he, he, I'll say this on this last, last point here. Uh, God can't help you if you don't think you need help. God can't help you if you don't think you need help. Jesus says this, I have come for the sick, not the healthy, because I can't help the healthy. The healthy are too prideful. The healthy don't need a savior. The healthy don't need me. The healthy are self-sufficient. I came for the sick and the broken. That's who I came for. So this is not, dealing with anxiety and depression and these kind of mental issues is not the time to grit it up and be this self-sufficient hero. If you're doing that, stop it. Just let go. Like, stop trying to get yourself out of the pit you're in. Come to him. Be weak for a moment. I know our culture doesn't want us to be, be weak. Be needy. Need him. Come to him. Be a bird. Be a flower who's totally dependent upon everything they need. Come to him. If you're struggling with anxiety or depression or anything else, don't be silent and try to do this on your own. You will not win with these things. You will not win. Just period. You look at any stat, it's getting worse, right? You will not win with these things without coming to God. So drop the, let's drop the shame. Drop the guilt. He's your father. Come to him. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to be there. He wants you to sit up, sit in his lap as a child and let him help you through this. And lastly, the last um, do work on yourself, come to God with your anxiety, don't run away, and be open in community, okay? This is for everyone in here. If you don't struggle with anxiety and depression, you don't understand this fully, and that's okay, right? Because we don't even understand it, right? So it makes sense that you don't understand it either, so be patient. Be patient with people who struggle with these things. Listen to them, point them to Jesus, pray for them, ask them how they're doing, be an ear. Okay, this is how you can help people with this. And for those of us who are struggling with this, don't be shamed. Don't, don't, don't feel ashamed. Be open in community. Borrow the faith of other brothers and sisters to get you through really difficult times because your faith may be really, really weak when you're facing anxiety. To wrap up, the whole thing with the Sermon on the Mount is talking about coming into the kingdom. You think of the Beatitudes we looked at several months ago. This is about um, the upside-down kingdom. The, 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 the mourners and the poor get comforted. The people who, are, who, are, who, who, who don't think they're awesome are the ones who actually get to see God. And this goes right along with that. Okay? So let's not be awesome Christians who don't need any help and don't need God. 
Let's, let's allow God to help us grow and use our anxiety to increase our intimacy with him. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you once again for your word. and I thank you for the work that you're continuing to help me do in my life to overcome this. Thank you for giving me seasons of, of victory and, and giving me your word when things are difficult and get hard and I'm in a tough season. Most of all, I'm thankful for Romans 8 and just the gospel that just logically, if you did not spare your own son when I was a rebel and wicked and wanted nothing to do with you, if you spared your only begotten son, didn't spare him, and you sent him to die on my behalf and he rose from the dead, why wouldn't you take care of like you do with the, in, in comparison, uh, less meaningful things like birds and like flowers. Help me believe that. Help us believe that. Help the people in this room that are struggling with anxiety right now, help them feel your love and have hope and see the light at the end of this tunnel called anxiety or depression or whatever emotional, mental uh, baggage is happening right now in this room. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.